Ground corner for the 13th day of July as we get you ready for the weekend that will be for Charlotte FC and Montreal. CF Montreal team that we saw a short time ago, actually. Charlotte FC's opponent uh, at home before their Cincinnati contest as they have an opportunity right here before the League's Cup break. They will not be able to break into a playoff position before the uh, League's Cup break begins because of Chicago's head-to-head victory over Montreal last night. So the highest they can get to is 10th, but it still makes this just all that important, especially because you feel like you gave a couple of points away at home with the scoreless draw you had last time you saw this group. Yeah, it's all important because of the placement. It's all important because of the form. Montreal in dire form have lost every game since we played in that nil-nil draw, haven't scored a goal in those three games. That means you need to beat this side. It's one of those where three points is begging to be had. And I think the other part of this where it becomes even more important to make sure you get three points is the fact that after this, you've got the League's Cup break. After this, there's not going to be the same concentration on MLS. You want to make sure that you're able to go out with the right performance, the right momentum, and feeling good about the way you've finished MLS action before this midseason break. I didn't mean to prod Christian Latanzio when I asked him this question, but it seems like anytime teams or people will remind him about the seven weeks in a row without a victory, he will come back and quit back and say, well, there's five straight with a draw too. So five straight games where we haven't been beaten. So I, I know that that's at least something for some people that they'll find something somewhat of a foundational aspect, but you have to think about the fact that in three of those five games, you had leads. And that's the part of it that I think is the more discouraging part is that, you know, yeah, you haven't lost the contest, but you've had the opportunities to take points from winning position that you haven't been able to put home uh, six times at least, or six points rather that were left on the table that you could have had. And I think that's why the Seattle draw, when you think back to the draws that we've had this season, feels a little bit different because there was that comeback ability. There was that fighting spirit. There was that facing adversity. Unfortunately, in recent performances, it's felt like, as you say, Will, the game is there to be put to bed and we're unable to do it. And then we leave those points on the table. It's a tough mindset because on one hand, okay, we're becoming a side that's difficult to beat in terms of the fact that we're having all these draws. But draws aren't going to get you into a playoff position. Having six wins is problematic on the season. Looking at what's going to happen this weekend, it looks like there will be another different change at the back. No Derek Jones for this weekend, according to Christian Latanzio. No Adilson Melanda either. So you basically have a limited amount of opportunities here in terms of what your center back pairing is going to be. It could either be Tui Loma and Carujo, Sobachinski and Carujo, or Tui Loma and Sobachinski, unless he intro, uh, wants to try to employ Nathan Byrne back there in the center back position like he has been this season. Uh, what's your best guess of what you think we see? Because we know we've seen Tui Loma play a little bit more outside defender. I'm wondering if we see him pinch inside with Goose. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because like you say, there's been so many different players used at centre-back. It's unpredictable to see which way it's going to go. I will say, if you get a look at the way that Tui Loma was used as a substitute as a fullback rather than as a centre-back after DJ's injury, I think that points to maybe thinking that Latanzio is favouring the Sobinchinski-Guzman-Korujo partnership right now. 
but it's interesting to see what dynamic you're going to have there. It's going to put a lot of a physical toll on Guzman Kuruha because Jan has great distribution. Jan reads the game very well. Jan understands soccer and he's able to put through balls that I don't think many players on this pitch can. That being said, I think anyone that watches the game and Jan himself will see it. He doesn't have necessarily the pace in moments and that puts a little bit of extra legwork on Guzman Kuruho fitness-wise because he's going to have to be there to recover and make those busting back runs in behind Sancho Bintinsky. One of the things that I loved seeing, and, and I talked about this with you on the previous podcast, is how much Carol Svidersky was able to kind of take the bull by the horns. I know we're angry about the fact that he missed the two chances in the second half, but I'm wondering how Charlotte FC has spent this week trying to diversify their offense because I think a lot of times we've seen they get too predictable at times. And while Carroll definitely created chances, you know, I look back at some of the other guys in terms of the shooting numbers from what happened against uh, against Cincinnati, and there wasn't much. Arfield took one, and Bronico took one, and and that's basically it. The other five shots came courtesy of Carroll Svidersky, and he had the only three shots that were on frame. So from that aspect, I look at Charlotte FC and thinking, I got to see more from the guys outside of number 11 if I have a feeling that they're going to get themselves all three points in Montreal. Definitely. It's not fair to single out Karis Svidersky as the only player that should have pressure on his back to score, right? And, and I understand where we're coming from saying, you know, we're disappointed in Carroll for not finishing that one-on-one -on -one in particular because we know what he has in his locker and we see the caliber of goals he scores. But he put himself in a position to be one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper and we haven't had too many players make those runs in and behind or create those opportunities for themselves to really have a comparison this year. Despite having many a different goal scorer this season, we haven't really been able to see players in the recent streak generate too many opportunities, like you say. We need to see other players step up. And I think an era of the game that both you and I will have talked about, the team needing to utilize more to create opportunities, is set pieces. We've got aerial targets. We've got players that are good in the box. And we don't seem to utilize them in the same capacity as maybe we should. Found out early Thursday morning that Charlotte FC did get a brand new player into the mix. Breck de Hahara of Toulouse in France, Belgian midfielder, 421 professional appearances to his name, helped win the Coupe de France in his team, uh, the League One side, Toulouse. It's a, another midfielder, another midfielder who's on the positive side of 30, but what does that tell you about where Christian Latanzio sees his team currently? I think it indicates that he doesn't feel like we have enough creative midfield presence, perhaps that he sees Carroll more as a number nine and he wants to add more creative midfielders in so that Carroll can push more as an attacking forward. Uh, I think, unfortunately, for the Ben Bender fans, it's more competition for Benny B, which is hard on the young man. I think that we haven't been able to see enough of Ben consistently because he has seen limited game time this year. But it also goes to show that it's an area of the field that maybe not everyone thought we needed to strengthen. And there's been a lot of talk in the national media about needing a number six, needing defensive midfield. There hasn't been too much talk about needing box to box or attacking midfielders. But here we are. Uh, I do like the veteran presence as long as they can play like they are on the other side of 30, perhaps with that energy. And we saw that with Scott Arfield. I don't think you look at Arfield and think, oh, that guy is old, you know, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. He's not old in terms of regular years, but for a soccer player towards the end of his career, perhaps. So it's interesting. I think it shows that Latanzio 
is favouring that veteran presence, which when you look at squad selection and when you look at players that are featured, I think that points to kind of the way he thinks as a coach that that veteran presence and leadership is maybe where you really need to have a presence on the pitch. The the back line depth issues are not exclusive to this particular window. We saw last year they went out and they got Adilson Melanda, they got Nathan Byrne in this window a year ago, but at the same time, you look at things now, and we've seen a lot of, you mentioned Tuiloa playing outside defender. We've seen a lot of rotation from both those positions. I still don't know if there is a quote-unquote natural left back on this roster that is trusted by the group in a week-in, week-out basis. We haven't seen Joseph Moore in forever, uh, which I find somewhat discouraging in that sense. How difficult, and again, this is probably better for Zoran, but I think you're smart and you're lots more than me, so I'll ask just you this question. Is it how hard is it to find those things on the open market? Uh, I think with the system that Lozanzio has to play, it's a very specific character profile for a fullback, particularly if you want to find an elite level fullback, right? If you want a run of the mill fullback that plays in a very traditional outside back way and overlaps and doesn't pinch in, maybe you can pick up, you know, your average Jack or Joe from another team, but you're looking for an elite level fullback, it's tough. It's tough to find players. And then we got the added component of this being MLS. And I'm not even going to try and go into the roster complications, international spots, TAM, GAM. There's lots of behind the scenes stuff that is complicated to try and make sure you're roster compliant if you want an elite level player. But I think when we've seen Latanzio's system and we've known about pinched in fullbacks for a long time, this needs to be an area that's been prioritized. And I think we've waited perhaps a little bit too long to find a fullback that is trusted. And you pointed to Joseph Moore. I feel bad for Joseph Moore because both you and I have really praised him in the moments that he's seen the field. But mm. I think as we're seeing, he's not utilized in that capacity in any strength or form and hasn't seen minutes for goodness knows how long at this point. Looking at this weekend's contest, you mentioned the form that Montreal are on. Uh, we mentioned how vital the three points are. Is it a scenario where you fear them a little bit more? I know they made an addition from LAFC, but and they had some a couple of people that they didn't see that we didn't feature or didn't feature against us, like Shawnee Air and even a Victor Wanyama who played, I think, 45 minutes in the Wednesday contest. Them being on a short turnaround will definitely help us a little bit, but it's a side I feel like Charlotte FC if they play their top game in their top form, it's a game they should win. But as we know, it only doesn't matter until you actually put the ball out there on the pitch. Yeah, on paper, this is a must-win game. In reality, it's a must-win game in terms of the playoff push. But we don't know how Montreal's going to play. You know, if they've had great games, they've had poor games. It's funny when you look at how many goals they've conceded because they've had a good amount of clean sheets this season, far more than Charlotte FC, yet they're conceding on average 1.5 goals a game because when they concede, they tend to concede in numbers, you know, and that should give Charlotte FC an opportunity to put the game to bed. We know that when we played them last, their goalkeeper had a standout game. I don't know if the keeper can do that level of performance again, and we'll have learned from that and know how much more clinical we need to be. But I don't think you can underestimate Montreal. It's very easy when you look at their form and the fact that they haven't scored in four games and that they haven't won in more than that. They have three straight losses since playing us, that their momentum will be off. But playing at home, always difficult. Montreal, far better at home than away. It's going to be a tough one, Willie P. I just really think those first 15 minutes are pivotal for Charlotte FC and they need to be able to find a goal against this side.
I'm nervous about the first 50 minutes, but I'm also nervous about the last 45 because I, I feel like <laughs> they need to finish games a lot better than they have recently. Yeah, uh, I think when you look at our stats and the fact we still continue to search for 90-minute performances, you can only think of two or three off the top of your head where you really feel like this side has performed a full 90 minutes. That That's just not okay at this level. And that's just a concern for everybody. And I think the fans are right to be concerned about that. This is a moment to set that confidence right with the fan base before the break for League's Cup. Should be interesting as we look for, towards it on Saturday again. They won't play an MLS play for about a month. Uh, the 20th of August is the next time they'll resume, and they'll do so against Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami in Fort Lauderdale for that one. Make sure you join us on Saturday. We're on the air 7 o'clock, 7.39, first kick from Montreal. And we're on the air not only on WFNZ, but across the Charlotte FC network. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and be sure also to listen to Crown Corner wherever you get your podcast. Just safe ride, and we will see you on Saturday. See you then. Charlotte FC and CF Montreal this weekend on the Charlotte FC radio network.